today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. An issue, a very troubling issue that's uh, been front of mind for many of us for the last little while, and of course is uh, the terrible situation at Western University, sexual assaults, uh, the allegations that o- o- could be upwards of 30 uh, young women that were sexually assaulted. Uh, and it's not unique to Western campus, as we know. Uh, it's been an ongoing problem. Uh, we know that uh, because of uh, the situation and the investigation, uh, what's happening at Western campus, uh, that students walked out of classes at Western University last Friday by the hundreds to protest what they say is a toxic culture on campus. Jerry Smith has some details. This comes days after sexual assault allegations surfaced during the London, Ontario University's Orientation Week. This third-year student was among those demanding change. They don't listen to what we have to say. You can report it and it goes nowhere. Western University President Alan Shepard says it was a difficult but important day to honour survivors. Police have arrested a 21-year-old man and issued a Canada-wide warrant for a 19-year-old male on manslaughter charges. A first-year Western student, Gabriel Neal, was assaulted around 2 a.m. September 11th just off campus. The 18-year-old died later in hospital. Jerry Smith, the Canadian Press. So are we doing enough? I think that's not just a rhetorical question. It's one that deserves to be answered. Uh, and, and we again, I want to talk about the Western situation, but it's so important that we talk about what's happening on other university campuses as well. Uh, tonight, I'm pleased to welcome to the program Dr. Trina Orchard. Uh, Dr. Orchard is an associate professor with the School of Health Studies at Western University. Uh, professor, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you with us today. My pleasure. Very troubling times. Uh, the, the numbers here are frightening uh, when we look at what's happening. I know that uh, uh, University President Alan Shepard uh, has uh, talked about a protocol and, and a, a series of strategies uh, that uh, that he is, is about to embark upon here with the help, I guess, of student uh, presidents, etc. But uh, the, the call I'm hearing at this point uh, is that this is too little too late, that they, they've got to address this issue head on, and they haven't done it for years. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, as you said in the introduction, this is you know, the most recent example is from Western, but it happens everywhere. And the same kind of incidents have been happening on university campuses, uh, whether it's college or university, for decades now, both in, in Canada as well as the, as the U.S. And the data in both countries is remarkably similar. And, um, you know, we have existing policies in place that are actually very extensive. They're very interdisciplinary. A lot of them are informed by the kind of principles that we need to make a big difference, things like trauma-informed principles, things like survivor-centric healing initiatives, but they really haven't been acted upon to any great degree. And so in many ways, Western just needs to use the, a lot of the resources that, it's, that have been waiting there to be put into action. But it's the attitude, I guess, and, and the approach that, that I, th- I think a lot of people find troubling at this point. Uh, you know, to talk about, you know, the, as, as um, you know, Mr. Shepard had talked about, uh, the university president, you know, they want to make sure that there's support there for the survivors. And, and that's absolutely essential. Nobody's going to argue that point. But I guess the question that we need to have answered here is what are they doing to prevent this from happening, not just to, to treat those that are victimized? Yeah, that's a really good point because, I mean, responding is sort of, you know, an after-the-fact kind of situation that doesn't really do anything on the front end, which is where we need to be focusing a lot of our initiatives. And, you know, it's about having different messages and different training opportunities for our first years. 
when they do go through the O-Week. I think that O-Week is a valuable experience in the sense that it introduces students who are away from home perhaps for the first time, first time in university, which is totally different than high school. Um, and a lot of the O-Week initiatives have started to introduce things like talking about mental health, talking about consent. So those are really positive. However, the thing about those activities right now is that they're not mandatory. They're just voluntary. So it's kind of like reaching to the converted. Right. And so another thing that I recommended in my article, just recently published in the conversation, is that until we can hold these kinds of events safely, they shouldn't be held at all. Well, right. let's talk about the culture that exists yeah. on those campuses. And, and I know that uh, it, we did a segment about this last week and we talked with some of the students at, uh, on the campus uh, just before the walkout. And, and they were talking about, uh, again, some of these measures. And, and I know that there's a, a, a patrol program. I mean, if you, you feel, you know, as, as if you're in danger or you don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. walking from one class to another at the end of the day. And sometimes, as you all know, of course, some of these university campus uh, classes are well into the evening and you may have to walk across campus at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, that's one well and good that, you, that somebody can be there to, to be there with you and to, and to offer some support. Uh, but a lot of the incidents that we're talking about here uh, that uh, are being chronicled right now, uh, Professor, are happening in dorms. Uh, they're, they're not attacks in the middle of the night on, on a sidewalk on campus. Uh, this is this is a plan. This is, to use a, a term that people may not be uh, comfortable with, a lot of the times premeditated. Yes, no, absolutely, especially with the recent uh, incidents at Western, given the, the scale of the incident. And those particular assaults, have been complicated by COVID restrictions. So normally a SOF, who is, you know, they usually live in a residence. They are the students, you know, you know, line of, first line of support and guidance throughout the academic year. You know, up until very recently, SOFs were not permitted to even be in residence due to different kinds of COVID regulations, which really meant that these young kids were by themselves. That is a massive failure. And also, you know, it's important to have prevention programs and to change a week. That, that is important, but as, you know, in the more deeper, more sustained sense to actually change the culture at Western, that has to do with the kind of messaging that we have about these issues. They cannot just be talked about after the fact in September, you know, and so there's a lot of big shifts that have to happen in tandem with the prevention things to actually change the culture so that it's safer. I read the piece in the conversation, by the way. It's very insightful. We'll send people to the webpage uh, when we finish our conversation here. Uh, and it's, I think it's important for them to get some, some perspective as to what's going on. But uh, you talked to a number of the, the students uh, about their experiences. And, and some of the quotes that you included in the article here are, are frankly disturbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, about You talk about culture and about mindsets. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I understand that education has to be part of this, and there has to be some idea about you know what the protocol should be, et cetera. Uh, but I find it very difficult to to get my head around the fact that people don't know what they're doing is wrong. I mean, they they shouldn't be doing this. Uh, the, you know, the, let's go get drunk and and you know do what we can with people. And it, th- that mindset is it, that's the culture that has to be stopped, and that's the culture that needs to be addressed here. It's got to be an uncomfortable conversation, I would think, Professor. But it's com- a conversation that has to happen. Yeah, and it's a, it's a conversation, frankly, that I've been having for decades, and it's one that I have to have all the time as a woman living in a patriarchal world. A lot of these conversations are not unique to university campuses, and in many ways, these young men are doing what they see reflected in the broader society around them, where men often get rewarded and validated for different kinds of predatorial behaviors, or there are very little ramifications for them. So while it is terrible... It is not in any way really a surprise when you live in a patriarchal world that is founded upon 
equity and is founded over the presumption of male dominance over women and other groups. The one that jumped out at me here, and I know you're certainly familiar with it, a male student participating in your research uh, said that literally all the guys on my res were like, uh, let's see how many, well, I'm not going to use the word, but a derogatory term for, for women. Uh, we can, you know what, uh, the first week in school, what all week is all about. Uh, it's it's almost as if, well, that's the motivation for them going to orientation week. is, is It's the score. Uh, it, it, forget about the university experience. It's, it's what they want to do once they get there. And uh, with that mindset, uh, this is a recipe for failure, obviously. Yeah, it actually is. It's it's absolutely a recipe for failure. Uh, but it's a recipe for them to win, right? I mean, it's and it's in fact that young man is not the only you know the only person who is sort of overhearing these kinds of of ideas. But again, they've been bred into the culture, and you know, kids have not been kicked out for doing this, whether it's off or on campus. You know, we look at the different kinds of disgusting signs that have been displayed in residence and off campus housing. You know, from our students. You know, we know that there are students and very little gets gets done, right? So until we actually, you know, give the policies and practices and things that we are recommending teeth, it's all going to be for naught. Professor, how certainly do you, how, my hope that that is not the case, or else I wouldn't be investing no, I, I, exactly. my energy, right? Exactly, but but how do you how do you turn that around? I mean, it's it's, it's like trying to turn the Titanic around, I suppose, uh, because it's almost like a rite of passage. And and we're not being naive here. I know some people are probably listening to this conversation right now and saying, "Come on, they're just kids being kids. It's a big deal going to university, and it's all part of the the experience." And and we've heard the stories in the past about Frosh Week, and and there's been some concerns by London police about uh, some of the events that happened, not just on campus but near campus. And uh, and it happened at Fanshawe a couple of years ago. It happened at McMaster in Hamilton. It happened and campuses all over the place, uh, that's got to stop. I mean, it, you know, the Frosh Week activities, it's almost pe- as if a lot of the people think that, well, look, that's a license for us to do what we want to whomever we want. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's the recipe for disaster. Yes, exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I said that until we can hold them safely, they should be canceled. You know, we have no business putting kids at risk, knowing that those ideologies are still, you know, running strong through the minds and bodies of lots of young people who are attending our campuses, right, in terms of how do we make it stop? Well, it's not one solution from one sector of society. It has to be a multi-pronged, you know, long-term kind of thing. And, you know, that might not be a sexy answer. None of this can happen overnight. But the university can respond overnight. And it, and it should have responded a little bit quicker than, than it did, but it has come around. But, you know, it remains to be seen. You know, in many ways, we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I certainly hope it doesn't. Well, and the other element to this, too, is, is you can have all the laws and all the, the protocols you, you want, uh, but if they're not going to be enforced and you're not going to be uh, policed, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're useless. I mean, I know, for instance, that, you know, especially for first-year students, there's a prohibition about having alcohol in residences. Well, you know, how naive are we? Of course that it goes. People sneak it in a lot of the time. Uh, but, but you know, what are they doing about it? Or they just kind of said, well, that, that's just them being first-year students, you know. Uh, th- there's got to be more stringent, I-, I think, protocols in place and, and some adherence to those protocols. Yeah, there have to be protocols in place. But, um, you know, policing behavior only usually works in a very short-term, limited way. Right. Same with using fear-based public health messages and stuff like that. That only works usually in the very, very short term. That does not produce long-term behavior change that we need to shift the needle. 
which is why, you know, again, it might not sound sexy, but, you know, appointing an advisor to the president about these issues in a very similar way that we have recently done for issues of equity, diversity, and inclusion. That sends a strong message that we are hiring a full-time position, you know, who works in tandem with senior leadership at this university. You know, those are ways that we can act, and that, that, doesn't, that shouldn't take too long to, to put in place. But that's a way to impact the structure from within. Professor, what's uh, what's been the reaction uh, to the school, from the school administration about your idea about canceling Frosh Week and, and Orientation Week? Uh, well, I'm not sure. It's been relatively quiet. As, as a tool? Heard, uh, um, I mean, I, I, I've heard from from colleagues who have been supportive. You know, you have the odd person who, who thinks it's a silly idea, but um, I haven't really heard from senior leadership or admin in response to my story. Um, and now that could be because I'm on sabbatical, you know, I'm sort of a, sort of a little bit beyond the normal sort of administrative loops, but I am still very much an active member of the community that I care about, and I care about our students deeply. Um, so I haven't really heard a whole lot back officially, certainly had a lot of support from colleagues, as well as my students. I, I mean, I remember a conversation I had, I guess this was uh, in, the, in the first wave of the pandemic, it seems so long ago now, with uh, Dr. Chris Mackey, who is, the, of course, the Medical Officer of Health mm-hmm. for London Middlesex, and, and, and Dr. Mackey uh, was urging uh, both Fanshawe and, and Western University not to have any activities going back, you know, because of what was going on, and, and under the guise of it's a public health uh, emergency, and these, these are the measures that need to be taken. Uh, you could apply that same mindset to what's going on here, can't you? This is a public health and public safety uh, issue. And I, it's, it's more than a dilemma right now. It's a crisis that needs to be addressed. Yeah. I would agree. I think that that's a very good parallel. And, in fact, you know, those two unfortunate sort of crises overlap right now, don't they? Mm-hmm. Well, again, you know, I don't know what the administration is going to do in a situation like this, but the fact that uh, that that they're listening is is a good first step. But uh, you know, I guess the key thing here is is to to try to create this this sense of of, of feeling safe within the university campus. And and you know, from the the students I've talked to right now, that's just not going on, and it's not happening these days. And and uh, I, I'd like to think that they're going to be adamant in in, in ensuring some kind of a policy. Uh, and you've made some interesting suggestions in the piece in the conversation uh, that would be a first step. I don't think you're ins- insinuating at all that this is the answer right here, but it's the conversation that needs to be had, and it's a good first step in towards moving towards that process. And it sounds to me as if you're in this for the long haul. Yes, dear. <laughs> I mean, I've already been in it for 20 years. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be in it for 20 more, but these are things I care about. And frankly, you know, uh, I am an activist. I am an author. I am an anthropologist. You know, I refer to my children and my students in sort of in very maternal ways. You know, they know that I care about them, and this is one way that I can show it. But I'm not just critiquing my own institution or other institutions. I'm trying to offer, you know, helpful suggestions for ways that we can move forward together. Because if we don't don't do this together, none of it's going to work. But we also have to keep pushing, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting to fight for safety. Uh, theconversation.com, uh, Western University and other schools should cancel Frosh Week to stop the rape culture. Uh, it's an interesting read. Uh, go to the webpage when you have a moment and talk about this. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. Uh, thank you for writing the piece, and uh, good luck uh, going forward on this. And I'm hoping it's a conversation that university campuses right across the country are going to have in the next little while. Thank you very much for having me. Take care. Dr. Trina Orchard uh, with, of course, uh, Western University, a professor in uh, the School of Health Studies at Western. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.